Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Startup Focus with Game Changers, presented by SAP, the best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies to shake up the status quo with big data and real-time and predictive analytics from the consumer to the enterprise. Learn how to help your organization move in exciting new directions. Here's your host, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, and if you want to run with the Game Changers, you are in the right place. Today's buzz, where is the best place in the world to be a tech startup today? As a matter of fact, for the past several years, very interesting question. Some people say that is the trillion-dollar question. Let me quote a little bit of facts I learned from a book called Startup Nation, the story of Israel's, there's a clue, economic miracle. The the uh, authors are Dan Senor and Saul Singer. They say that Israel has the most startups per capita in the world. Israel has the world's highest concentration of spending on research and development, R&D. They say Israel has attracted as much venture capital as Germany and France combined in 2008. I don't have more recent statistics. That came to almost $2 billion with a B. And Israel has more NASDAQ-listed companies than all of Europe put together and more than any single country other than the United States. So the trillion-dollar question, I think you already know the answer. How is it possible that a country of 7.1 million, about 60 years old, enemies all around, constant state of war, no natural resources, hello, maybe even some say it's so small it could be claustrophobic, produces more startup companies than large, peaceful, and stable nations like, here's the list, Japan, China, India, Korea, Canada, the U.K., How can Israel be so fertile for innovation? I have a great panel today. Two of them are actually calling in from Israel. Of course they are. We went right to the source, and they're going to help us answer the trillion-dollar question. I want to know if I get the answer to why win the trillion dollars. I'm going to tell you about who they are right now. They sent me some interesting quotes. First up on the panel, you'll hear from just a moment, is Yaron Appel from Mobidio Technologies Limited. And he sent me an Albert Einstein quote. Listen to this. Anyone who has never made a mistake has never tried anything new. Bravo. I like that. I want to embroider that somewhere, Jerome. We'll talk about that. Joining us also today is Barry Berman from Light App, another interesting company. He's a man of few words. His quote, his own three words, survival breeds creativity. You heard it. Think about it. Survival breeds creativity. Barry will explain in a minute. And rounding out our panel is a lady from SAP Startup Focus. It's Sarita Sundaresan. And she says, and she quotes Margaret Mead, you know, the anthropologist, never doubt that a small group of thoughtful, committed citizens can change the world. Indeed, it's the only thing that ever has. Let me read that again. Never doubt that a small group of thoughtful, committed citizens can change the world. Aha, Margaret Mead knew what she was talking about. So join us for the next hour for... Wait for it. Startup Nation Israel. And please join us on Twitter. We're tweeting at our usual hashtag for SAP Game Changers Radio. It's hashtag S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. I see the tweets starting to pour in. SAP Radio is tweeting and Game Changers has been tweeting. and We'd love to have you join us. So let me introduce the panel. Can't wait to hear their personalities and what they have to say. First up, Yaron Appel is the CEO and co-founder of Mobidio Technologies Limited. 
an enterprise mobility platform providing real-time situational awareness of critical operations. I'll ask him to tell us what that is later in the show. Before Mobidio, Jerome was CEO and co-founder of Mobidio Solutions, providing consulting and custom development of mobile enterprise solutions to companies around the world, including the Fortune 100. Prior to founding Mobidio, he was the CEO of Milo, or Milo, M-I-L-O, a leading consulting company, VP of Business Development of the Kidham Group, Israel's largest private education organization, and CEO of one of Kidham's subsidiaries, and on and on and on. Just a, an astonishing resume. Yaron Appel, welcome to Startup Focus with Game Changers. How are you? Hi, Bonnie. Good morning from sunny Israel. Delighted to be with you today. I'm great. Thank you. Thank you. Well, you answered my question. I was going to ask what the weather is. You beat me to it. It's sunny. What season is it over there? Pardon my ignorance. And uh, what time of – is it summer? Is it fall? Is it winter? What season do you claim right now, your own? It's, it's autumn. We're now in the middle of autumn and just uh, expecting a short glance of rain tomorrow morning. So hopefully uh, autumn will be at its, uh, you know, at its full power and uh, within a month or two we will see the winter with uh, rain, which is uh, – so needed and important here in Israel. Yes, it really is. I'm, I'm glad to hear you have sun today. Good. It's been raining here on Long Island, but you know what? I see a glimmer of brightness. Must be because I'm talking to Israel. This is a privilege. Thank you for joining us, Jerome. <laughs> I hope we make it a good morning for you. Can't wait to hear more from you. And joining us also from Israel today is Barry Berman. He heads up Light App, that's L-I-G-H-T-A-P-P Technologies Marketing Department, and he's responsible for a number of areas, including global growth. I like that. Global growth. That's big. And partnerships. Light App is the leading industrial energy intelligence system driving industrial companies to streamline their energy consumption rates or energy intensity. Barry has been in the high-tech industry for over 15 years, taking part in some successful here and unsuccessful startups. Thanks for that reality moment, Barry. We'll find out later. Barry was the founder of WIZ, W-H-I-Z, online education, another education maven, a web-based education platform for school and communities before he joined LightApp. Welcome, Barry. How are you? I'm great. Thanks a lot. A little tired. 11 o'clock at night over here in Tel Aviv. But doing well. Thanks a million. Wonderful. Wonderful. And how is your weather? Can you see anything outside? It must be pretty dark there. But warm, cool? What kind of weather do you have? It's very nice and cool. Very nice and cool. Uh, Can't see any stars, unfortunately. There's a few clouds out there. Okay. <laughs> it's all good. That's what we're looking for. Interesting that both you and your own have some background in the education field. We can talk about that later when we get into our conversation. Thank you both for joining me from Israel and joining us from the U.S. is Sarita Sundarazan. She's the global head of strategic operations for the SAP Startup Focus Program, which, as you all know, helps promising startups like the two we're talking to today in the big data, predictive, and real-time analytics space to develop new applications on SAP HANA and accelerate their marketing market traction. Sarita has more than 18 years of experience with strategic product planning, ideation, development operations, and general management for startups, emerging, and global 2000 companies. Sarita, welcome to Startup Focus. How are you today? I'm doing good, Bonnie. Really glad to be here. Glad you're with us. And you're calling from where? From the Bay Area in California. And what's it doing out there? I know the season, I know the reason, but what's your weather? <laughs> it's actually the transition between fall and winter, so it's, it's nice and sunny, but still a little nippy. Yep, 
Sounds a little bit like here in New York. Thank you for joining us. We have a great panel. I'm so excited because we've never had a trillion-dollar question on the show before. But before we get into the dollars and cents here, I want to ask my three panelists to explain their quotes. Uh, those of you who are new to the show, new listeners around the world, and we are heard in between. I, I can document 63 countries that listen to us, but Voice America World Talk Radio says we have over 115 countries, so welcome one and all. I just want to tell you that I ask my guests to send me an interesting quote that backs into the topic of the day. And that's why we're quoting not only Albert Einstein and Margaret Mead, but we're quoting the one and only Barry Berman, who is now quotable. <laughs> so let's start, let's start with your own appeal from Mobidio Technologies, the Albert Einstein quote. And he is very often quoted on our shows, by the way, your own. You said, anyone who has never made a mistake has never tried anything new. Talk to me. How does this relate to Startup Nation Israel? Your own? Yeah, but if I think it relates directly to uh, to being an entrepreneur, to building a startup, and especially in Israel, uh, if you look at this latter part of the sentence, never trying anything new, so it's all about finding new things, finding new paths, finding new technologies, finding new business models, doing things that haven't done before, weren't done before. That exciting. That you know. That's the the thing that every entrepreneur likes doing. And that, at the end of the day, what's driving us and what's we, you know, what, what we want to do. Um, you know, risk, making mistakes is an embedded part of being an entrepreneur. You can't get to uh, being a successful uh, company without doing mistakes, without doing errors. And the whole uh, objective is really not to avoid mistakes, but rather to make mistakes, but to learn from their mistakes. Uh, looking at Israel, looking at uh, the foundations of Israel, other startup companies, obviously military service has a lot to do with the culture, mm-hmm. with you know, the drive, with the vibe. And yes. in the military, not only that we uh, enable people to make mistakes, we actually encourage them to make mistakes in training so that we could learn from these mistakes and apply uh, you know, the right actions in, in combat. So it's okay to make mistakes. It isn't something which is needed as long as you're uh, fully capable, you're cognitive, and you learn from, the mis- from these mistakes, and you're able to teach yourself and educate yourself to constantly improve and, uh, and improve your performance. Thank you, Yaron. You covered a lot of territory there, the military service. And I, I love the part about being uh, it's okay to fail. Here in the American culture, we don't often hear that. You know, we want to know who's the best. We have local newspapers that talk about whose kid made the honor roll and who got into more teams and who's playing in more orchestras. It's all about achieve, achieve, succeed, succeed, high marks, straight A's. Who got it? You know, sometimes you expect to hear that a five-year-old got into an Ivy League college because you know that's all the parents are living for. So this is an interesting thing about needing to fail, understanding failure is okay, and learning from it. That's the most important thing. Would you say that's one of the keys of the entrepreneurial spirit that's coming out of the tech side of Israel startups, Yaron? I think so. I think it's one of the enablers. Uh, Bonnie, if I'm hiring an employee and while interviewing him, he, he told me that he didn't do any mistakes, that's bad because that means that he will do his first mistakes on my shift. And that's something uh-huh. that I don't want to happen. So, so that's uh-huh. definitely something that not only that we enable, as I say, we also encourage as long as the culture supports an ongoing process of learning from these mistakes and improving. 
Thank you, Yaron. You said a bunch of other things, but I'm going to save them for the roundtable. I'm, I'm trying to take mental notes here on all the good nuggets of information you're giving us. Great start. Barry Berman from LightApp, let's turn to you. You're a man of few words. Survival breeds creativity. I'm going to ask you to use a lot of words to explain how this relates to Startup Nation Israel. Go ahead, Barry. Um, I think uh, it, it relates to uh, Israel and I would say all Jews around the world, but uh, especially here, um, simply for the fact that, like you said in the beginning, um, uh, Israel surrounded by uh, enemies and wars and etc., etc., have had to learn themselves how to survive, and this has created an amazing amount of uh, creativity, and uh, not having, you know, all these uh, resources, um, different minerals, all that sort of thing. So we've had to use something else, which I believe is brain power. And, and a great example of this, I would say, is if you, you look at an unbelievable or probably the number one branded company in the world, and that's Apple Computers. Mm-hmm. Where were they in 1997, 1998, a few months away from ba- bankruptcy, um, struggling to survive? And uh, the, the next uh, 10 years were absolutely amazing for them. They created and innovated um, on and on and continuously uh, to this day and uh, are now probably the number one or two largest companies with mar- largest market cap in the world. So um, I'm a big believer on, you know, you have your back to the wall and you need to be creative, you need to do something and uh, that's when, uh, you know, all this creative juices actually start uh, working when you are at your lowest and I think that's something that's uh, born into Israel, born into the people here. Um, I, I know definitely from living overseas that it's not anywhere else or not mm-hmm. anywhere else that I've been to. It's something that is extremely, extremely Israeli. That's what I Barry, would Barry, would, would you say, thank you for that. Barry, would you say that it's passed from parent to child or is it part of the whole culture where survival, this need to survive, is just everywhere? It's a, When you go to school, it's the teachers, it's your friends, it's your neighbors. Everybody has this, as you said, back against the wall, we will survive. It's a spirit that goes deep. Is that? Would you say that, that it comes from everywhere around you? I think, yes, it comes from everywhere around you, um, definitely, uh, from your parents, um, from them knowing that uh, every, I mean, every Israeli citizen needs to go to the army, for instance, whether you're male or female, and you have to do your, your few years. I think uh, it's also in the schools, it's, it's everywhere around you in Israel, I believe. It's, it's, it's an atmosphere, in fact, survival. It's an, it's an atmosphere that, that uh, follows you throughout the uh, Throughout the day, whether it's the news, whether it's your parents telling you this, that, whether it's the school, it's everywhere, definitely. And one more question before we turn to Sarita. So I'm extending the break because this is such a good conversation. Barry, would you, what would you say it is about technology? Because that's our focus today, Startup Nation. We're talking to you and your own and Sarita about tech startups. That's our focus. What is it about technology that goes hand in hand with this creativity that you say comes out of the survival spirit? What is it about tech versus uh, manufacturing? I don't know, making an innovative new way of doormats. I don't know. What is it about that that dive into technology, which is still so fascinating for so many people, that captures the Israeli spirit? What do you think? I think Israelis are very open-minded, um, are willing to try anything um, new. Uh, companies, um, often overseas companies will come to Israel 
um, tech companies, and they'll use Israel as a lab, um, their own small laboratory um, to, to test a product or whatever it is. Um, Israelis are open to new, I mean, for instance, I, I know that LG um, uh, is a company that does that, uh, has done that quite a bit on, in the past with uh, different cellular phones. So uh, it's, it's, it's that open-mindedness, I would say, of Israel. And if we get into the technology part of it um, as well, I would say that Israelis are very much um, people that, that love technology and uh, the, the whole, I would say, the exit, the exit strategy, the getting out there, mm-hmm. having a success and, and selling it and making that big exit and then getting onto a new idea, not stopping there, but getting back onto a new yes. idea really, really does it for them. And in manufacturing, I don't know how fast you'll, you'll actually make your exit there. So I think the high tech is, is very also that the following the dream, that, that big exit Great point. Very great point. Yes. And I'm, I'm uh, listening and thinking about all kinds of things we can talk about in the round Bonnie, table segment. Bonnie, Ron, yes. I totally agree yes. with Barry. I think it's a great, you know, great point just to add to his comment about survival. I recently had an article stating that underfunded companies are actually performing much better than overfunded companies. Again, Why? going back to what Barry said, the fact that hunger, the fact that, you know, lack of resources mm-hmm. pushes you to be creative and to be much more effective. And I want to add something to what, what I heard Barry said. Sarita, I haven't forgotten you, my dear. Barry, you, you talked about survival. We talked about the survival spirit and the need to be what we call a serial entrepreneur. You sell the company, you go on. To me, that sounds like there's a survival. It's, yes, I've birthed this company. I've seen it to a level of maturity where it's it can fly. The wings are out. I can sell it. Somebody else can shepherd it through its young adult years and its later years. I want to go back and prove I can survive through another new startup experience from ground up. Is that what you would say? Is it, In other words, a continuum of survival through tech startups, Barry? Yes, I also think it's 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 uh, it's very Israeli to to do that um, because there's just so much creativity here. They they they, they I think in a way it's it's almost like being addicted to a drug. Uh, they get addicted to that, or I am especially um, addicted to the 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 starts, the the making it through, the breakthroughs, the the the, the late nights, like tonight, for instance. <laughs> Um, all, all that sort of thing. Um, and then um, once they see it to a certain point, uh, yeah, it's, it's to, to, to sell it. And then, bang, get on to the next idea and start working at that. I mean, you'll notice, uh, and we can mention a few of the big entrepreneurs in Israel, none of them have, you know, exited once and then, you know, mm-hmm. gone on to, to pension or whatever it is. You see them. Um, Shlomo Kramer is one, I mean, Checkpoint, and then uh, a handful of other ones. And today, I think, uh, he works at Imperva, another startup that he founded. So it, it's getting to one, moving on to the next, you know. Uh, it's and in the blood. To that. It's in the very, yeah, it's very in the good. Blood. It's in the DNA. Very, very interesting. You know, this is a more robust opening than we usually have on the show. I usually do the quotes and then and go to break, but this is becoming a really good conversation. Sarita Sunderason from SAP Startup Focus. I know that your own and Barry both know you well. You quoted Margaret Mead. Talk about anthropology. I think that's part of what we're really discussing here, one of our threads. And Margaret Mead said, never doubt that a small group of thoughtful, committed citizens can change the world. Indeed, it is the only thing that ever 
ever has. Great quote. How did you find this quote? And, and let's relate this to your observations from your vantage point at SAP Startup Focus. Sarita, go ahead. Yeah, uh, Bonnie. So uh, basically, you know, this argument, uh, uh, this quote really makes the argument that any real change that affects the world at large comes from the ground up. It's rarely top down, and it's often in the form of grassroots uh, social movements, typically across the world, not from from the uh, government, but in the case of Israel in particular. Um, we will touch upon this, I think, in 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 the in the next segment. But mm-hmm. the government has a huge role to play in the way they have fostered and cultivated innovation within that uh, within that country. So, if you kind of look back upon the mental makeup of the Jewish people who have been exiled for for more than a thousand plus years uh, in search of a country that they could call their own, and when they finally had a chance for a better future, uh, a country they could call their own for health, for prosperity, it's really incredible how they have grabbed that opportunity over literally. Over over 60 to 70 years and what they have created out of virtually nothing. Um, I mean, going back to Barry and Yoram's point about how the Israeli youth have been trained, if you just take even that example, you know, mandatory military service uh, with varying levels of intensity depending on which selective unit that they are training for, the underlying strategy over there seems to have been to really provide broad and very deep training to, to sort of instill innovative and adaptive problem solving with these kids. Mm-hmm. Essentially, they are trying to produce T-shaped people who can be very, very good at a lot of things rather than being excellent at, at just one. And so by the time these kids finish college, uh, when compared to kids of a similar age elsewhere in the world, uh, these kids are much more mature. They have a lot more lifelike experiences because of their military training and the experiences that they go through uh, on a daily basis when they're living in Israel. And they have an exposure to, to completely different perspectives through all of this training. And that's where, you know, a lot of the seeds of innovation are, um, are sown. Uh, and part of the quote is really around commitment or rather being committed over sometimes over several years to see any kind of change. And so if I just step back even from Israel and just think about some of the major uh, technology innovations that have affected the world, one thing that comes to mind is the, is the electric light. So this was something that was originally invented by a British chemist, uh, I think sometime in the early 1800s, and it took about 60 to 70 years before it moved from one researcher to another, all of whom were trying to figure out how to make an incandescent light bulb. And finally, it took Thomas Edison about 1,000 attempts to finally create what we know as the light bulb today. So when you just think of it in the context of commitment and, and, and just the, the, um, the thoughtfulness of a very small group of people to achieve something over a period of years, I think this quote really goes to the heart of it, and especially in the, in the context of Israel, um, uh, this is just completely spot on in terms of the DNA that's within every man, woman, and child in Israel. Wow, that's a great overview. I, you know, you work with a lot of startups, I know, with Michelle Hickey and Robert Kapanen and Kostov and Aslan at the SAP Startup Focus Group, Sarita. Is there something very special about your own? I, I, I know they're going to blush. Your own and Barry is represented here on our show, representing the Israel-based tech startups. Anything you see in, in what they've said or in their personalities that makes it more fun to work with them because of their background? Go ahead. You can flatter them a little if you want before we go to break. <laughs> Actually, I have an, uh, an anecdote to share. So we have our, our major business conference that's held every every summer in, in Orlando, Florida, and uh, both uh, Barry and Yoram were there. And we had about 30-plus startups who were with us uh, at the event uh, to showcase their solutions. 
but the one that comes to my mind most is both uh, both Mobidio and LightUp, and in particular Barry, where uh, you know we have certain rules and regulations around advertising specific uh, customers and companies, mm-hmm. etc. So you aren't really allowed to put up put up big posters. But I remember Barry coming on board and basically completely taking over our demo pod, which was staffed <laughs> by the SAP startup focus people. And he actually stood behind the counter and he put up his solution and he was literally dragging people to demo the solution while standing behind the demo pods. So in a sense, you know, I kind of stepped back and I was just watching that with some degree of amusement because I've never had that experience where <laughs> they've completely taken over the demo station and they're literally demoing the five or six odd solutions that pretty much came from the Israeli-based companies that were part of this program. I mean, it's, it's just an anecdote, but it goes to the heart of the personality yes. trait and the drive and the commitment that, uh, uh, that the Israeli people have in general, which is just a single-minded focus on making sure that they do whatever they can to be successful. And I, I think, Barry, Barry, you don't need to defend yourself. I'm going to do it for you. But, Barry, your quote goes exactly to that point. You say, survival breeds creativity. You had to survive at the conference, so you got creative. Let's cut it off right there. I have to take a break. You're listening to a very, very compelling edition of Startup Focus with Game Changers Radio, presented by SAP. I have a quick shout-out to none other than Michelle Hickey. Hello to Mom and Dad, too. I hear they're fans of the show. But she's listening in Palo Alto office today, I believe, with Johannes. And Sophie, I think that's Sophie who brought us a startup topic on Game Changers Radio a long, long time ago. And here we are doing a series with Michelle. Also, shout out to my co-producer, Malcolm Kimberlin, who's tweeting his heart out here on hashtag SAP Radio. Guess what? We're going to take a break, maybe one minute, maybe a couple seconds longer. Don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial, wherever you are. There's so much more. We are answering the trillion-dollar question, Startup Nation, the story of Israel's economic miracle. We know the answer is Israel, but we're still trying to find out exactly why it's such a hotbed of innovation, energy, and creativity. I'll be right back with your own Appel from Mobidio, Barry Berman from LightApp, and Sarita Sundaresan from SAP Startup Focus. I'm still Bonnie D. Graham, and I will be in 57 seconds. You can count on that. Joel, out. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. In today's globalized world, the competition for customers and marketplace has never been fiercer. Emerging technologies, especially those like big data, can help level the playing field and enable everyone from established enterprises to nimble startups to radically change the status quo. The bottom line, if you embrace technology, you can innovate your way to success. Big data is changing the way we live our lives and do business. Learn how with Startup Focus with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Visit www.sap.com. With new companies like yours competing aggressively for top customers, your strategies and tools must level the playing field and position you well against your larger adversaries. Today, you are faced with global competition for both customers and talent that will drive your business. The bottom line, you need to define what's going to set you apart, and you need to embrace innovation in every facet of your company and your brand. Startup Focus with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Visit www.sap.com. 
comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Startup Focus with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Startup Focus with Game Changers. Welcome back to Startup Focus with Game Changers. Just as the man said, you know, I was looking online today for the search term Startup Nation Israel, and I came across something interesting before I asked my panel what they're drinking today. I want to tell you, it's a website called Israel HTV. And it is Israel High Tech Ventures. I thought it was a TV show, but it's not. They are sending people to Israel to meet the top management in startups in finance, science, production, and marketing to see where people want to spend their money investing in Israeli high tech opportunities. It says IHTV provides a unique opportunity to experience high tech in Israel with unmatched depth. I won't do any more promo, but it's actually a trip to Israel to network with the top echelon of the Israeli high tech community. I've never heard of anything like that. Interesting to me. Talk about entrepreneurial. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So let's get back to our panel and let's find out what you're all drinking today. It must be something special because you all have such great energy. Yorona Pell from Mobidio. What's in your cup today or what do you wish you were drinking? Your own? Okay, so I'm drinking, Bonnie, a very hot cup of Turkish uh, coffee in a small glass, actually, as always. That's what I always drink. And actually, my story is about my time when I was a student. During my first degree, in order to fund my university, I worked as a barista, believe it or not, in one of the famous Ah. coffee shops in Jerusalem. And that was a great experience. I used to uh, finish university, go on my motorcycle, drive to the center of town, and spend the evening until late night at the barista, and that was great because not only that I made great coffee, all the beautiful waitresses came to drink for it. From it. So next time, next time you come to Israel, I may, I'll prepare you a great cup of latte. But at the end of the day, I always go back to my uh, to my you know, to my sources, and I drink my my hot and strong Turkish coffee. I bet it's loaded with caffeine, and I can hear it in your voice. Tell me something. Would you like to do a shout-out to the name of the place where you were, a, bar, a barista? Would you like to oh, do yeah, a mention? Oh, yeah, that was a coffee called Cafe Atara, which was one of the most famous and first coffee shops in Jerusalem, going all the way back from the uh, time that the uh, mandate, the British ruled Israel. And actually, it was a great experience, because that was, at the time, one of the first coffee shops in the city of Jerusalem, and it was, uh, you know, my guests were uh, ministers, you know, and, and members of parliament and, and writers wow. and famous people who came to get inspiration, as well as whores and criminals, uh, because that's, you know, the only place that they could drink coffee at that time of night. So We've honestly, never had that honestly, word on the show. <laughs> part of the role was, you know, to, to, to find the balancing act between all, all these guests, and that was a great experience having conversations and meeting all of these interesting people. I bet that you just threw me for a loop, kiddo. That was great. <laughs> okay, I don't know. Barry, can you top that? You don't have to try. But Barry Berman, what are you drinking right now? I don't know. You're drinking wine or beer or soda or coffee. What are you drinking? I'm actually um, drinking a, uh, a Israeli drink. Um, it's called Nesha Malt. 
Um, it's basically wow. it's, yes, it's a black beer, which um, I would uh, I would say no, it's non-alcoholic. Funnily enough, <laughs> but um, basically, uh, I I got hooked on this about ten years ago. Um, while working at a startup and trying to get um, or trying to uh, get off Coca-Cola, funnily enough. And uh, Nesha, funnily enough, is also it's made out of all this natural ingredients and all that sort of thing. And I'll tell you something else about them. Uh, LightUp is busy trying to uh, close a deal with them. So uh, I'm giving oh. a shout-out to Nesha and uh, their beer. Very, very. I've got a very nice little story about Nesha. Um, mm-hmm. We, because we um, trying to to get a, a, a contract with them, we we went on a plant. We went to visit their, one of their plants and everything. And uh, before we went onto the production line, um, the plant manager says to us that you know this is a, 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 a very very modern um, assembly line. Um, there's sensors that can do this and that. Uh, one of the sensors, what it does is when these um, bottles or these cans, I would say, of empty, uh, they're still empty, um, are going through the, the assembly line, then uh, what happens is, is if there's even the smallest little dent in one of the cans, mm-hmm. uh, the sensors pick it up and obviously stop the, the assembly line and the person has to come in and uh, you know, take it off the assembly line, off the production line. Anyway, obviously, as Israelis, we have to um, try these things out and see that uh, the, the plant manager isn't just telling us a story. We walk mm-hmm. onto the production line, and one of the guys from LightApp grabs from the production line a can, squeezes it, puts it back. The next thing you know, sirens are going off, the production <gasps> line stops. <laughs> and the plant manager quickly, uh, uh, sorry, not the plant manager, one of the guys quickly comes and looks, finds the broken can, Put the, takes it off the assembly line and switches the machines back on and carries on everything. So uh, wow. that, that, that's my uh, story of a little bit of Israeli chutzpah checking to see exactly if what they say is true. That is, that's an amazing story. That's, that's uh, the best story I've heard about QA, quality assurance. Yes, absolutely. Does the machinery work? Does the alert system work? Are the people paying attention? Do we take it seriously? Damn it, yes. And that is Israeli chutzpah. And I can pronounce it chutzpah. We did it right. Okay. <laughs> I know that. Yes, those are, that's me. Okay, Sarita Sunder Raisin, I'm not going to challenge you. What's your coffee story? Tell us something wonderful from where you are. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, so Bonnie, just as I mentioned, it's a little bit nippy, but it's sunny. So what I typically like to have is some uh, masala chai, otherwise known as chai tea latte, uh, especially in, the, in America. What this is, is a, is a homemade exotic concoction of black tea that's boiled with crushed ginger and cardamom. Uh, you need to toss in a little bit of ground black pepper and some lemongrass and a little bit of milk, and you boil the mix mm. together, and then you drink it piping hot. Uh, so the, the the interesting thing over here is it it really packs a powerful punch for your immune system and your spirits. Ah. And black pepper in particular offers a, lot, a whole lot of antibacterial, antioxidant support. And so I always tell people if you want to be mentally and physically healthy into your 90s, just chuck all the Advils and the cough syrup. Simply drink a cup of piping hot masala chai every day. 
Yay! You know, I'm going to give that recipe to my mom. I don't want to shock you, but my mom is going to turn 97 in February. All right. She lives alone. She still drives. She takes herself to the grocery store and the hairdresser and for a manicure every week. She's on email every day. She owns two homes, and she is active. She plays bridge. She plays mahjong. She meets with the rabbi once a week. There's for our Israeli friends. (laughs) And she's gorgeous, and she and I host a cable TV show together every two weeks called Senior Moments, The Happy Ones. And she's going to be 97, and her best friend Gertrude turns 100 on next uh, January 9th, and they've been friends for 30 years. How about that? So well, I have to tell them. Funny, I, have a, oh, I have a really quick story to share now that yes. you mentioned all the amazing things your mom is doing. So I have a colleague yes. at work whose uh, father-in-law is 90-plus. He lives on the east coast of the U.S., and yes. apparently every Christmas... He and his wife, they drive all the way across from the East Coast to the West Coast, visiting their friends along the way in various cities, and then they drive back, and that's a 14-day journey, seven days each way. I mean, I don't know if you can beat that with another story, but I was just amazed. You can. I was going to ask if he was single. I think my mom would like to meet him, but you just took that off the t- off the table. Okay, here we go. Now, it's time to get serious, but I don't think we really are. We're having too much fun. We're going to go into the roundtable segment. I'm pushing. You know what? We're only going to take two breaks today because I really don't want to interrupt this great conversation. I know Michelle is certainly enjoying it. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to start off with a couple of notes that Yorona Pell sent me before the show, and then I'm going to ask everybody to chime in. So let's Stick with about a minute and a half each so we can get all the voices in the air. I'm going to read three pieces of what he sent me, and then, own talk about whatever you want, and then Barry and Sarita will chime in. So number one, you told me, creativity and entrepreneurship do not grow in comfort zones. That's thought number one. Thought number two is dissatisfaction is an inherent part of Jewish culture dissatisfaction drives entrepreneurship. That's number two. And the third one, I have to bring this in, no pain, no gain. People often see the exits, the sexiness, and the excitement associated with building a startup company, but they don't fully appreciate how difficult it is. Endurance, patience, and hard work are the name of the game. These are all should all be up in light. So, Yaron, talk to me about what you'd like to discuss, and then we'll have the rest of the panel join you, please. Yeah, so, so you know what? Israel is one of, the company, one of the countries where people are most happy. I read a measure, an article that says that, 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 that happiness was measured in Israel was, you know, one of the countries where people are most happy, yet we're unsatisfied. Okay, we're happy but unsatisfied. And this unsatisfaction is something that drives creativity, drives entrepreneurship, drives the need to constantly find, for, find new solutions for new ideas. And I think that's something which is not only Israeli, but part of the Jewish culture, part of the Jewish genome. At the end of the day, uh, we're a young company, but we are built on a DNA of, of Jewish people that, you know, carry that gene for, for 3,000 years. And talking about no pain again, at the end of the day, I think that really there's a lot of uh, hype and vibe about Israeli, Israel being a startup nation and great inventions and great exits, a lot of money. It's very, very sexy and, you know, and, and fun. But it is extremely hard work. And, you know, you need to work 24-7. Mm-hmm. You need to constantly uh, try to break ice, uh, build your team together, herd them around towards a solution, fight against, you know, up against competitors, against the market, which is completely dynamic. And uh, in order to succeed, in order to do so, you need to be durable, you need to be patient, and you need to enjoy what you're doing. 
Okay, I like the part about enjoying what you're doing. I know that's been underlying what we've been saying all along, but I'm glad to hear that word. Uh, Barry Berman, what do you think? You want to talk about the, the not being in a comfort zone, being part of what you call creativity and survival, or you want to talk about dissatisfaction, or the everybody sees, wow, they sold it, they made a lot of money, and they forget that it didn't happen overnight. What would you like to focus on? Wow, uh, so much. Um, I, I, I agree with Theon. I can see that he's been around the block a few times, uh, so definitely agree with all of these points. Which one to choose? Uh, I would say, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the no, no pain, no gain is definitely, definitely um, a, a strong point there. Uh, a lot of the guys just want to, they, they want to see the exit or they only see the mm-hmm. exit, but um, uh, the first round, I would say, is where, where, where they learn that the exit doesn't always come. And uh, they learn that, you know what, um, there, there's a lot of, definitely a lot of pain and a lot of uh, um, work that has to, to be done in order to get the product even out there, to get it dated, to get it piloted, you know, just those, 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 the small steps in the beginning. Um, so uh, th- that that is something that I think every um, uh, entrepreneur needs to know before he even decides to open something up is that there's a lot of hard work before anything, any success comes. No, no one's done it overnight as such, not in the high-tech business. It might happen on, the, on one of the reality shows, but definitely not in the high-tech. Uh, good point. Barry, what's this, is there a sense of camaraderie among the entrepreneurial community? I don't know if this is a point. We talked about the, the spirit and the culture and yes, we can do it and wow, we're going to push onward and this is going to great, great, we're going to survive. But is there a sense of camaraderie? In other words, if you went, if you hadn't been an entrepreneur as you have or part of, part of a light app and you went to somebody and said, hey, I have a great idea. I want to be a startup. And they said, wow, you're in Israel. This is the right place. We're going to share our knowledge with you. There are places as you can go, the government will help you, and, and we want you to feel welcome here. Or is it each man, woman, and child who wants to be an entrepreneur on their own to literally survive in their own niche? What's the climate there, Barry? No, I think uh, it's divided into two. You can, you can look at it as, as government, um, the one side, and then the other side is all the different entrepreneurs that are here. My personal experience is mm-hmm. that... Uh, there's a huge amount of camaraderie. Um, if I have uh, a, a startup and I want to try and get to a certain person or try and meet with, you know, the, the big the big guys, I would say, in Israel, whether it's Steph Veltheimer or, or Dov Moran from, uh, you know, um, from Discon Key, uh, the USB flash drives or anything, it's a phone call away from a friend that knows a friend, and he ah. will speak to a friend that knows this guy, and the next day I've got a meeting with this person to try and get him to invest. Um, unfortunately, the investment never came, but you know what? The emails came, and he put me onto the next guy and the next guy until, uh, you know, you, you find what you're looking for and, and until something, um, something clicks. So I would say there's a huge amount of camaraderie and a huge amount of help, and I, and I think it's something that... That uh, Yaron will, will probably, uh, hopefully, agree with me on um, that you you cannot do it on your own, um, and mm-hmm. I think every entrepreneur here knows you can't do it on your own, and they all know that they, they need that help from from anyone who has done it in the past as well. Um, on, 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 in terms of the government, well, I think the government helps a lot. There's still a lot of place to for more help, but there are so many different organisations 
Yeah, from from I don't know how to say it in English, but Machon Hayatzu and Madana um, Rashidi. These these are all um, different organizations that help startups. And if I need to build a business plan, I can go to a certain place and they'll help me build a business plan. If I need, so so I would say there is a lot in Israel helping. Um, a lot of help. You just need to go out and find it. It's not going to come to you. You need to get off your done and go out and, and look for it. And I mean, f- for us at LightUp, we, we finally found an unbelievable um, connection um, through Israel-America Chamber of Commerce, the AICCSE, oh. um, which helps us out. So, so definitely it's more camaraderie. There's a lot of help. Uh, there's always place for more, though, definitely. And Barry, I, I completely agree with you. And actually, going to your previous point, not only that the guy that can help you is two phone calls away, he might be your neighbor because the country is so small. Uh, he might be living next to you. Nobody is far further than two hours' drive. So you can give him a call and tomorrow morning invite him for coffee at the closest coffee shop and there you are talking. So it's all about a very, very intimate, dynamic, and supportive ecosystem that encourages entrepreneurs and supports them. Great points, and I want to ask you, any one of the three, even Sarita, I still want to hear from you on these points, but is it different in other parts of the world? Barry, I think you have some experience in the U.S. and South Africa. That's what my notes tell me. Is it? Is yeah. there something, okay, just tell us briefly the contrast so we understand. I know we're, we're touting the benefits of startups in Israel, but what is it really like in other places it, from your firsthand experience? Um, well, uh, from uh, the other places, it's very. Uh, I would think. I would say it's a, a lot harder. Um, government not really interested um, on on one side. Um, I'm talking about uh, uh, South Africa at the moment. A lot harder, um, and not not this. Um, it, it's a different mentality. Uh, it really is a different mentality. High tech. Um, is a little bit less looked um, up at, I would say. Um, startups, mm-hmm. wow, um, definitely a no-no. Uh, in, in a way, it's, it's scared from failure, I would say. Uh, you know, I would say in Israel, I mean, if you've, if you've tried to open a startup and it's failed, uh, you don't keep it a secret. It's, yeah, yeah, I tried it, I did it. I failed mm-hmm. at it, hopelessly, but at least I did it. <laughs> And it's looked up upon, whereas overseas I've noticed that failure is sort of uh, taboo in a way. Um, that, so, so I would say that holds people back. Um, my, my school startup actually did start it, starting it in South Africa, um, but when I brought it over to Israel, it made a lot more sense, it, a lot more help, a lot more doors opened. It, it, it was, you know, amazing, the difference. Thank you yeah, very enough, much, Sarita. Yes, comment on uh, one Please. point that uh, mm-hmm. Barry just made with respect to the uh, the tolerance for failure. And if you kind of step back and just look at what the Israelis, the early Israelis, were facing, I mean, they were they were just trying to create a, a brand new country for them, given that they were in a place where you know it is completely ninety percent desert and, and arid land, uh, no infrastructure, lack of uh, sufficient water, and under these conditions, this is a group of people that's trying to create something out of virtually nothing. And you examine that mindset there is no other option but to create something from nothing. And even if you fail, that is still better than doing nothing. And so you look at year after year, several years, several decades of this mindset and what they have accomplished today, 
you can completely understand that failure really doesn't mean anything to the Israelis. That is the de facto way of moving on to the next stepping stone towards success. And in fact, just stepping back a little more from that point, mm-hmm. if I just even look at how high-tech began in Israel, uh, the interesting thing is it really began with the, with the kibbutz, which are these agricultural settlements or communities. And quite frankly, technology apparently was about 95% of the secret for the Israelis' um, agricultural productivity. And an interesting story related to that is uh, uh, sometime during the early, um, during the early uh, settlement years, apparently the agricultural communities dug up uh, 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 the ground, which was the size of a football field, in the hopes of finding water. And what they actually found was some warm, salty water. Now, one would look at that and say, well, this is completely useless. It can't be used for irrigation mm-hmm. or for, for any purpose. But instead, they went and consulted some professors, etc., and they got the advice that instead they could actually use this underground warm, salty water to raise warm water fish. And then the waste from that water can then serve as an excellent fertilizer to irrigate, uh, you know, trees, date trees, olive trees, and even to grow vegetables and fruits. So you kind of look at this, this, this example and you think, oh my God, here's, here's something that you thought was a completely useless, uh, useless natural and resource. Not. And you've turned that around into something that's completely, uh, you know, being used for irrigating, uh, fruits, vegetables and, and your agricultural lands. And that just goes to the heart of, you know, the, the personality or the character trait that's sort of inherent in, in almost every Israeli. And similarly, even in the, uh, in the military, uh, you know, there was a point raised earlier by, by I think you, Bonnie, which is um, how does all of this military training, how does that even relate to the technology industry and the birth of the high-tech industry here in, in Israel? And so if you look at Israel as a nation that's just surrounded completely by, uh, you know, but obviously uh, a lot of enemies and constant attacks, uh, the attacker's superiority in their combat weapons is definitely being countered by a technology advantage on the Israeli side. And so there's a large amount of R&D spending to solve these military problems, voice recognition, communications, optics, hardware, software, and all of this has helped to essentially spawn off a civilian high-tech sector. So in a sense, where Israelis are today with a whole bunch of these high-tech startups does have some roots in, you know, in how the nation started early on when they first started to, to kind of establish their country. So it's a, it's a really fascinating journey what's happened over the last 60 years. Definitely is, Sarita. You know what? We're going so strong here. I'm going to skip the last break. We're going to go into the, uh, into the uh, crystal ball in just a minute because I, I don't even want to interrupt you. But does either Barry or Yaron a comment for what Sarita just contributed? Anything? Okay. I no. agree. <laughs> I agree, she, good. I think she's right on target. And, you know, she sent me, Sarita, you sent me a quote from David Ben-Gurion, Israel's obviously first prime minister. I want to read this, and then we're going to go right into our uh, closing. We have actually only seven minutes till the end of the show. Wow, this has gone, we've never skipped that many breaks, but you're, you're an extraordinary <laughs> panel. The quote you sent me was, according to David Ben-Gurion, David Ben-Gurion, all the experts are experts on what was. There is no expert on what will be. Oh, my goodness, that's so profound. So, Sarita, I, I'm gonna, I know you sent it to me. Quickly, Barry and Yaron, you want to comment on that from your perspective as Israelis? Hmm. <laughs> yeah, Ron, what do you say? No, I think it's <laughs> of, 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 you know, what, what, we're, what we're sharing here uh, for the last half hour. I mean, Ben Gurion was definitely a role model. He was the founding father of the country. 
and and uh, you know he was probably the biggest entrepreneur of all together with Herzl which yes. which you know was a visionary of uh, the country and actually uh, a personal story I mean my great great grandfather was one of the uh, one of the members of the Zionist movement in Russia uh, he together with Herzl you know was was one of the founding fathers of the company and just about uh, two years ago I found his memory book uh, in my father's library after he passed away and it's amazing to read it I mean you hear how in 1882 1883 1884 uh, a bunch of you know entrepreneurs sat down in Vilna in Russia and built a a movement which is Zionist movement and run after funds and and raised money and and pushed against all odds and you really understand that maybe that is the root of everything because the way they mm-hmm. built the country uh, is just the way we build companies to the, sorry the way we built the country is just as we built uh, uh, companies today so actually Israel is one big startup which was you know founded and built by entrepreneurs and you know we all all our all our success and all our life to 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 them so it's really something which is embedded in our DNA, and I guess we just can't help it. You know what? That's a great wrap-up. I'm going to give you each one minute, and I mean just one minute. We're going to start with your own, then Barry, and then Sarita. Look in your crystal ball. I don't care if you polish it off with a silk scarf or a banky or a chamois or whatever you got. I know you have the crystal ball there. One year from today, if we all met again, and I certainly hope we meet again sooner than that, what will the conversation be like in terms of Startup Nation Israel? Will we have anything new to add? Will there be a new chapter? Your own appell, talk to me quickly. One minute, go. Yes, and I want us to be serious, right? So I think definitely, you know, that that uh, that uh, movement, that momentum will proceed. I think that we're seeing two forces which will affect what will happen in the next years. One is that the barriers to entry becoming lower and lower. Technology is more available. The availability of mobility, of cloud, of analytics, of big data, of tools that enable them to build technologies are much, much lower. So the barrier to entry is lower, and we'll see that the funnel of companies is actually being shifted, and, and we have more and more companies who uh, are beginning. And not all of them will succeed. I think the end result or the end uh, number of companies will be the same, yet the funnel will start with much more companies. And finally, I think that there will be a movement here, and uh, in the future, I think that we will see companies who are not only uh, sold for big amounts of money, but companies who are really uh, growing and becoming uh, big companies like Google, like Apple, you know, like other companies who will be uh, sustainable and, and built and, uh, and operate from Israel as opposed to being sold to, uh, to other companies. Thank you, Yaron. Great. Barry Berman, you're up. One minute. What do you see ahead five years from today? Please go. I see a lot of, uh, uh, a, lot, a lot more startups, um, a lot more, um, money funding us, venture capitalist money coming into Israel from new and different sources. For one, China. Um, I see also, like, uh, uh like Yaron said, or, or before I go to that, um, I think also in Israel there'll be more startups but not only in the high-tech industry, I think there'll be more startups in other industries, um, industries like film and TV and all that sort of thing, which is something that Israel hasn't been strong um, in, in, in the past, but the, the startup sort of uh, mentality is definitely moving into the other different industries in Israel at the moment. So I, I see that as as 
the year from today where we'll have some, you know, big uh, uh, new industry company um, getting out there. Um, on what uh, Yaron finished up on saying, 100% agree. I think that uh, we're going to see an Israeli company become a large company and not exit fast. Um, we'll see another checkpoint or a Teva Pharmaceutical, something really big, um, grow out of Israel in the next few years. Thank you, Barry Berman. And Sarita, I saved one minute for you. Go. Uh, so, Bonnie, in the next 10 years, I, I'm no longer thinking about it as a startup nation, but rather in terms of a startup world. So every country is looking for answers on, on how to cultivate and sustain innovation. And so starting with the basics of how an entire generation is going to be educated. And I imagine a world where you know, every child's educational backbone is, is really rooted in one, uh, a, a learning environment that, that really fosters curiosity and creativity, hands-on learning, independent thinking, you know, the ability to take risks kind of in the style where the military provides training to Israeli youth, and also the you know, literally the ability to embrace repeated failures. So there's already some scattered attempts overall with, with Sugata Mitra's, uh, you know, minimally invasive educational approach in India, the effects that this is having with education in Mexico, the big picture learning coalition of schools in the U.S., and a whole bunch of these efforts. But really taking this to the next level and planting the seed of a startup in the DNA of every child is really where I see the world in 10 years so that you literally have startups cropping up in every country, in every corner of every country. Great optimism. Thank you all. Sorry to rush you. We really needed two hours. I have my projections. My predictions, I wrote them down. They're easy. Next week here on Startup Focus with Game Changers, presented by SAP Thursday, 4 p.m. Eastern, my time zone, November 14th. Here's an interesting topic, the pros and cons of starting outside Silicon Valley. Uh Uh-huh. I hope we have as lively a panel then as we did today. Next Tuesday, join me for HR Trends with Game Changers, 12 Eastern, New York time, November 12th. Women in Leadership, Resilience Through Change. Very interesting. Sarita, that topic would appeal to you. And next Wednesday on my flagship show, Coffee Break with Game Changers, Wednesday, 11 Eastern, November 13th, The Digital Insurer. We're talking about insurance industry, Customer Centricity Opportunities Part 2. Special thank you so much to your your own appell from Mobidio. Wonderful. Thank you for joining me, and thanks for taking the time. Barry Berman from Light App, a delight to speak with both of you. And Sarita Sunderace. Thank you so much. Appreciate all of your great insights. You were a marvelous panel. We have never done a show with only one break, and that's a testament to everything the three of you had to contribute today. I know Michelle is very pleased, and so is Sophie, listening from Palo Alto. Shout-outs to Michelle Hickey. There she is. Robert Kapanen and Kostov and Aslan. Malcolm Kimberlin, my co-producer, doing his tweeting. And Joel and the Business Channel team, thanks for your flexibility. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. This has been another live edition of... Startup Focus with Game Changers. I have a call to action. I want your own Barry and Sarita to listen carefully, put your seatbelt on, and make it tight. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today. Bonnie D. Graham signing off. We'll talk to you next Tuesday on HR Trends with Game Changers. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Startup Focus with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. And please join host Bonnie D. Graham again next Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.